This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spend half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life even now as a media creator and beer professional. This is what gave birth to Mountain Sea Media, the stories that impact our lives and give meaning to our business. Stories share good experiences and the warmth of friends. They improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to episode 62 of Good Beer Matters. The long view on, on brewing is, you know, it's a journey and sustainability is really a journey as well. And also look to green it up. You know, what you do to the planet, you do to the people, what you do to the people, you do to the planet. Adapt it and riff on it and, you know, be inspired by it. Not, not unlike listening to some great music. This is a short series called Beer with Benefits. Despite a year that has handed us nothing but a fistful of hard knocks, there's a lot of good happening around the world. Armed with a smile and a tasty beer in their hand, these guests are changing the world for the better, one sip at a time. My next guest began with a passion for the environment and sustainability. Then he discovered beer. He managed to put the two together when he founded his Portland, Oregon brew house in 2007. Eventually, his brewery would become one of the only breweries in the world with B Corp status, Salmon Safe certification, and 1% for the Planet membership. In this episode, he talks about beer and sustainability, positive steps that any brewery can take, and collaborating with one of the largest outdoor gear companies in the world, all for the sake of better beer. My name is Jeremy. I'm a certified Cicerone, BJCP judge, IBD certified brewer, and a beer writer. I believe the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. I believe there's a world of wisdom found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. This is Good Beer Matters. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 62 of Good Beer Matters with Christian Edinger of Hopworks Urban Brewery. The Good Beer Matters podcast is uh, Christian from uh, Hopworks Urban Brewery up in Portland, Oregon. And there's a very specific reason why I, I wanted, uh, Christian, I wanted you to talk to us today. And it's all about the environment and um and kind of kick off our our mini series on beer with benefits um how are you doing today christian i'm great thanks for having me jeremy i really appreciate it oh i'm so i'm so stoked that you came on i've been wanting to talk to you for a while um uh, so thank you for agreeing um will you just share with everyone listening um uh you know about your background uh you personally as well as the uh, hopper urban brewery and, and and really why we're talking to you today yeah, well, uh, yeah, I've been in beer for, for quite a while. I'm 47 years old, been married 23 years as of like three days ago. And hey, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, I got two kids aged uh, 12 and 15, and I've been making beer. Let's say I got a, a, I got a homebrew uh, system when I was uh, 18 years old, freshman summer, back from University of Oregon. I moved to Germany, uh, to Cologne, Germany, sophomore year for a semester abroad and really kind of fell in love with uh, the tradition, the, the brewing tradition that the Germans kind of represent. Very narrow range of styles, but quality forward and and uh, certainly a cultural cornerstone. And then, you know, kind of rolled into my business degree with a bent on, on beer at University of Oregon and got, I was the first person to get college credit down there for, I got five credits for a design your own internship program. I told the business school I was going to start a brewery at some point and got credit for making beer and that internship rolled into a paid position and i i got my first head brewing job let's see i, I think i was 20 oh god what was i 24 years old mm -hmm. 23 so i've been i kind of put my head down and and wasn't afraid of getting paid next to nothing and washing kegs i was washing kegs and and waiting tables honestly and then got the head brewing spot my boss 
took a job out in Salt Lake and I, I was able to kind of move up to a head brewing role at a really young age. Uh, so just really kind of school hard knocks, you know, where you're the plumber, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, mm-hmm. and, you know, not afraid of plumbing and wiring things. And I even had to do plumbing this morning at the brewery here. So I uh, really kind of enjoyed coming through, um, you know, being the son of an architect and a teacher, just kind of really enjoyed getting my hands dirty and, and, and really attacking beer from an art and science perspective and, and just starting as a keg washer, head brewer, and then worked my way through. Uh, Eugene is, is a head brewer and then went to brewing school, American Brewers Guild, and then came out of there, worked at Bridgeport for a short period, Old World, Laurelwood, and then just started, I said, I just don't take orders well. So I just had an idea about taking a brewery in a sustainable direction well, on a DIY level. Quick, and, quick uh, interjection. Just, sorry about that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you just said you don't take uh, orders well, but you just said you also celebrated 23 years of marriage. So can you, can <laughs> yeah, you, can you uh, justify that? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's the collaborative nature of marriage and business is like you got to listen and meet everybody in the middle. Uh, so ho- hopefully that 23 years is, uh, turns into 24 and I, I don't, uh, misstep, but the, yeah, the, the, the long view on, on brewing is, you know, it's a journey and, and sustainability is really a journey as well. So our journey's kind of gone through school of hard knocks and DIY, uh, and we're at where we're at now, but that's just kind of a little, little color. I've been doing it a long time, I think 25 years through uh, mainly working in small bit, small breweries, a little bit of time at Bridgeport, but just on packaging and, and cellar. So I uh, always had to do, wear a lot of hats, you know, and and that, I think that's been a tremendous benefit over time. Awesome. Um, that's, that's quite a history. And, uh, you know, it, it's very common for brewers to wear many hats, especially as they're starting out. Um, but not, you know, some people do it better than others, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but uh, will you dive into the story about uh, how uh, Hopworks came to be? Yeah, I was working at, at Laurelwood, really enjoyed that experience. I was six years in over there, and we had, you know, uh, won some awards. I felt really um, I had built a little bit of a, a, a customer base and, and some trust. Uh, and I, I thought it was time to step out on my own. I think I was 30 what am I, 47, 12? So I was like 33 at that point when I was kind of kicking around the idea of stepping out. You know, really appreciate Mike uh, over there giving me a, a shot as head brewer. And, and uh, I said, okay, well, it's, it's time to push the envelope, hit the gas, see what we can do with, with sustainability. And we were making a couple organic beers over there. And, man, uh, I was like, okay, organics is definitely important. And so is, you know, coming from a, a construction background. I grew up in construction. My dad's an architect. I knew that green building was going to be important. You know, USGBC, U.S. Green Building Council, and the lead for buildings was a hot thing at that point in time. And uh, so we just big borrowed steel and got a, a, a building together to um, house our facility. And we ended up, we overbought on the property. And thank God we did because like a, like a hermit crab, you know, you can only build to the size of your shell. In this case, we had a little bigger shell, so our space wasn't going to be an issue. We had an acre and a half of land and a 16,800-square-foot building. We turned into 19,200 square feet, my dad and I did, with and, our own two hands over about a year and a half's time. And that was over on the east side of Portland, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I lived on in southwest and, you know, worked in northeast with uh, Laurelwood and then southeast. I, I really like the east side in terms of, you know, it's a little more punk rock and uh, definitely was the epicenter of the food scene and all that. So I really thought that Southeast was a really cool spot. Powell Boulevard had 50,000 cars a day rolling by and I got a neat building built in 1947, old tractor showroom. So it had good bones and daylight basement, four bay doors, 17 foot ceilings and 208 three phase power. Uh, and away we went and embarked on the journey. So that was 2006, we got the keys and started making beer into 2007, opened the pub early 2008. Wow. Um, 
uh, so you have uh, you talked about awards and some distinction and looking for uh, building green uh, kind of uh, sorry green building uh, to kind of begin that. I, I, I imagine you did have some help from your dad. He what, did he uh, build green buildings as well, or was he just knowledgeable about the practice? Yeah, it's kind of the, the DIY approach there. My dad's a, a one-man design-build firm, so you can imagine the uh, architect is passionate about uh, design and aesthetic, and then doesn't let any anybody else touch his, his projects. So he's really he likes to control everything. And so that uh, coming out of San Francisco in the '60s, you know, Summer of Love, uh, they moved from New York to San Francisco, and were embedded there in the, in the '60s, and, and we moved up to um, Portland in '77. So being in San Francisco and building a house down there was what they did. They remodeled a house and, you know, he was doing construction and architecture down there for the forest service. Um, that, that hippie lifestyle down in San Francisco is, is really a big part of, you know, kind of the genesis of our approach to green building. So hippie architect moves up to Portland. We built our own house up here as well. And so I've just, my, my first house we moved into had, we had a Coleman stove for a, a kitchen, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and plywood front door when we first moved in and, you know, just very crude, but you know, you could see through it. So I'm, I'm, I guess I have a high pain threshold, but all, always at the center of it was, you know, going with my mom to the natural food store to go uh, stock up on bulk food, all the stuff I hated, spinach noodles. I thought I didn't know what chocolate was. It was like carob chips and all this other stuff just, you know, it's kind of just the hippie adaptation, but also, you know, the green building thing was, was always there. It was always, you know, but it was, it wasn't formal like USGBC. It was more like, Hey, we're going to go get some reclaimed material. And, and, you know, we're really going to think about, you know, making sure the house is placed right on the site to save trees, to, to minimize, you know, the, the impact on the trees. And we lived on a little stream and just all these little things just uh, play into okay, we go get a, a building site, what are we going to do? Well, first thing we're going to do is we're going to deconstruct it by hand, denail all the lumber, stack it nicely, and then we have a nice, and then we'll recycle everything we can't reuse. So that's kind of how our construction process started too. So uh, that's where it came from. It came from San Francisco in the 60s, you know, the, to the general theme wow. and ethos. And so I, I'm willing to bet a beer that there's a little bit of influence from Ayn Rand as well, uh, just from the standpoint of architecture and just this absolute dedication to uh, something better despite the the norms of what's happening in the day. Is that about? Yeah, I think that this innovation and just I think I, I make people uncomfortable just in, in, in pushing, even yesterday talking with some of my staff, like just like trying to get people to think about things just differently and and uh, and it can be stressful because that's not a lot of people aren't wired that way but i you know coming with a, from a family with you know two entrepreneurial parents that it's feast or famine and you're always in the middle of a project and uh, <laughs> it's it can be a, not everybody's wired to deal with the chaos and uncertainty of the entrepreneurial space but yeah i really like the idea of of, of being creative and, and seeking innovative, un, unlikely solutions, and and uh, and also controlling your built environment. You know, uh, food, clothing, and shelter. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You mm -hmm. know, let's let's look at those things first for opportunities, and then build out from there. And God, what a neat opportunity all the, the built environment is to to really create a, a great difference in terms of livability and and, and pleasure. You know, there's, there's a great deal of pleasure involved with creating cool spaces and watching people exist in them, you know? Well, and, and that's kind of a theme, whether listeners have you know noticed this or not, but there's a theme in, in this podcast as well, too, is, is just an, a creative and unabashed, you know, um, desire for something better. And especially in the beer world, it sounds like uh, you're on the same path. Um, yeah. And, and that, and that has, you know, uh, pretty much led you down the path of, you know, the, the research that I have is that, um, you were the first B Corp brewery in the Pacific Northwest and the seventh in the world. Is that, uh, is that, I hope that's correct. I got it from your website. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, I think it is correct. You know, I, I kind of forget if the numbers, it's kind of this open source thing where you're just like, man, I, I hope they're of the 8,600 breweries in the country. I, I hope there'll be 8,600 of them yeah. eventually, you know, but you got to start small and it's a high, it's a high, high lift, you know, for companies pretty complicated. 
but the impact's pretty tremendous. And, but and what so, if, yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, that's what, where we started. You know, what does it mean to be a B Corp? Let's let's start there. Yeah, well, I and mean, the B Corp's got their own talking points. You know, B Corp is to business what you know organics is to milk and fair trade is to coffee. You know, it uh, really B Corp is a, a way of thinking um, about the triple bottom line in a pretty comprehensive way. And the comprehensive, you know, B Corp, our triple bottom line at its in its simplest uh, view is social, environmental, and financial sustainability uh, carrying an equal weight, you know, shareholder primacy and, you know, the way Wall Street works, you know, you really focus squarely on this financial sustainability. And as you begin to uh, understand that these things are uh, environmental, social, and, and financial sustainability are symbiotic and can't exist without one another. And once you acknowledge that, it becomes impossible to divorce uh, environmental and social sustainability from a healthy, financially solvent company. So I really like uh, that that there's this open and honest discussion within B Corp where it's not just um, a, uh, a do-good or a vision where you do good at all costs, spend all your money on these so- social sustainable initiatives, and then have nothing left over for your stakeholders. No, you, you weigh all these things equally, and it's okay to be profitable and sustainable. And they go about it in a really neat, comprehensive way. And, and the 200-point scale, well, they use 200 points because 100 points would look like most people would be failing, but still part of the part of the B Corp community. So they made it 200 points and and 80, I think it's 82 points or 80 points to get to get in and qualify. You know, and it's really difficult in that it causes you to have all these really hard discussions, you know, with yourself about snapshotting where you're at you know, kind of benchmarking and then beginning to uh, see where the gaps are. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of uh, the baseline for, for B Corp is triple bottom line, but with a really neat scorecard that forces you to have honest discussions and seek some really cool and meaningful uh, uh, projects and, and digest over time. They kind of want you to choose like three things a year in social and environmental work to to move on. So, so this that, is that, that, yeah. Go for it. This is an interesting uh, concept that um, we've talked about before in the podcast uh, with uh, Ola Brewing over in the uh, Big Island of Hawaii, um, mm-hmm. and they talked about their they have their triple bottom line, same as you just said, uh, of respect for the land uh, and the people, and of course, you know, profits goes hand in hand with all that. And they had a term for that, a, a Hawaiian term called lokahi. Um, and and I've been able to talk to uh, brewers and, and people in the business from around the world, and not everyone is following that ethic. I've I've found two, you and and Ola Bruco. Um, why is this not a standard? Um, why is sustainability a triple bottom line not a standard? Correct. That, yeah. 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 I'm, I think that honestly, when I look at the the small business environment and how most people are, are in survival mode, you know. Um, I, it's the degree to which you can pick your head up from your work as an operator and attack an innovative project like B Corp, for instance. Um, it is, uh, it's a big lift for most small companies. And so I, I think that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And, um, there, the willingness, there has to be time to explore that willingness. You know, I think at its, at, at everyone's heart, I, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I think if everybody could do the B Corp thing, they would. But it's kind of cloaked in, in mystery. It's it's an it's an innovative uh, certification that is complicated, and they're working on that, working on simplifying it. But um, I think that most people just don't quite have the time to do the work required to pursue triple bottom line. Uh, but with that willingness and a little bit of time, you can begin to DIY it. And the DIY, I really feel like uh, starts to pave a way or clear a trail towards a, a, a bigger, more comprehensive vision for business at large and your own uh, approach to sustainability in business. And it doesn't have to include B Corp. Like what we did with 
green building when we first opened here. Well, we we didn't get LEED certification. We couldn't afford it. It was too complicated. But we looked at the at their scorecard and we picked the things we could do and we did those and, and we talked about it, just told our story. And that worked very well for us. So I think B Corp's cool. But if it's too complicated, just look at how it's done and adapt it and riff on it and, you know, be inspired by it. Not, not unlike listening to some great music, you know, uh, very inspirational. If you're a drummer, you can, you know, listen to um, any, any rocker and come up with some good licks to, to, to take home. And, but you don't have to, you know, create a, a whole band and, and go for it, you know, so maybe a horrible metaphor, but the idea is there's opportunity everywhere and you can, you can uh, step into it. You don't have to jump into it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, well, before we get too far into what you've done, I want to talk about um, what are the, what are the environmental challenges that face the beer industry? I mean, uh, just just across the board, not specific to you in Portland or or anywhere else, but throughout the country, throughout the world. What are the what are the big points that people need to be aware of? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I kind of look at, you know, I'm, I'm on the uh, Brewer Association Sustainability Subcommittee, and you know, we look at, you know, ingredients and efficiency and outputs, you know, in terms of waste. And there's a whole bunch of really interesting ways, ways to, to look at, at this. So there are certainly sourcing challenges. Um, as climate change takes hold, you know, there's going to be big impacts on, uh, on hop and, and barley malt availability. We've seen our aluminum can shortage, which, you know, you could say, well, maybe that's not rooted in sustainability. But it's certainly rooted in, in economics and um, the shortage in, in beer cans, you know, is hitting the market right yeah. now. Uh, it, so it, you've got it, it's hard to pull mm-hmm. it's hard to pull yeah. like one thing out of context. I mean, we, we talk about uh, environmental practice, but that goes hand in hand with economics, politics um, and everything else that occurs in our society. So I, I appreciate your comment. Yeah. The, and also, you know, it's a it's a. What I think the interesting part about beer and our sourcing models, it's, you know, fairly, it's commodity driven and the commodities are global. So it's, it's really cool in that regard to turn into a macroeconomist as a brewer and really look at how these goods are moving around the world and see where the impacts and supply chain threats are and also look to green it up. You want to reduce the number of food miles associated with your beer production. So sourcing locally is important, sourcing organically and or salmon safe salmon safes are really nice uh uh baby step to organics and so we're committed to sourcing almost 100 percent organic or excuse me salmon safe hops uh, as a company i'm on the board of salmon safe as well so i, I really am working hard on with the ba sustainability subcommittee and and um salmon safe to try and uh pick ish, pertinent issues and work towards you know in the case of salmon safe uh sourcing uh, uh, options for brewers of hops and barley that really mine the riparian or aquatic environment around the farms and stuff. So you got supply of ingredients, water supply, uh, and then packaging material, stuff like that. Then you got efficiency projects as these things move through the brewery. Um, You've got utilities, water coming in, natural gas, and power, you know, electricity. So how are you managing your utilities? And then how are you getting the maximum yield out of your ingredients? And then on the tail end, you've got the waste. And that is solid waste uh, in terms of all the waste material, mylar from hot bags and cardboard and things like that. You've also got your spent grain. Uh, And then you've got wastewater issues. Um, And these things all in, in, in concert are housed in a building and the building there's a there's a green building component to this as well, which we touched on a little earlier. So, how have you designed your structure to to optimize the flow of ingredients and utilities through the building, and minimizing uh, inputs and outputs, you know, mm-hmm. for maximum effect, maximum efficiency. So, I think you got the shell of a building, and you've got uh, sourcing, you've got efficiency, and then waste. And so these are the the commonalities that every brewery everywhere in the world has 
correct? Yes. But yes. Uh, but but then there are the the subtle nuances of locale. Like for example, uh, you're in Portland. Um, you've got a lot more water than where I you know where I live now in in Arizona. Um, and, and and so you have these locales where where water usage is an issue. Uh, California is a great example that comes to mind where. Um, you know, I, I know the average brewery uses what, like four to seven gallons of water for every gallon of beer. But in in, yep. in drought in drought laden California, you can't do that. You have to come up with another solution. So, um, mm-hmm. are, are there are there other examples, um, you know, around the world where people have uh, come up with interesting solutions to a very specific challenge? Wow. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's a pretty big question. Yeah. There's all sorts of innovative stuff everywhere. You know where electricity is expensive and you got a lot of sunshine, you know, certainly hmm. renewable uh, solar represents a huge opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, on the farming side, what farmers are doing with, with dwarf uh, hops and uh, salmon safe and, and, and coming up with uh, really innovative farming practices to mitigate the use of fertilizers, pesticides, or water in the fields, you know. Um, uh, I think... It, what, what we've noticed on the, the Brewers Association is once once you attach a financial benefit to sustainability, you know, the bean counters in that are present in every one of these 8,600 breweries around the country, are they really light up when their net income or their, their profitability improves with sustainability. So we really feel like cutting through um, the do-gooderness and really pointing to some financially uh, beneficial projects, and then that starts to open the door. The discussion. You form your green teams, get each department involved, and 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 try. When you try and associate uh, savings and 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 cost benefits with all these um, sustainable decisions, you really, I think, start to to win, and uh, it opens the door certainly to then go deeper. And once, once you, you know, once you have great beer, great coffee, great bread and cheese, you know, it's hard to turn back. The sustainability is much the same way. You know, once you, once you get it, it's hard to revert to the old ways. So, uh, you become your own, uh, ambassador within your own company. And it, it doesn't, it, you know, any change can be top down or bottom up. It can, so it can come from a variety of different ways and they're both very meaningful. But I, I feel like, um, starting with uh, financially viable uh, options that show quick return is a great way to, to step into sustainability. Well, and it seems to me, too, that um, for those people with the ideals um, who are able to get the economists on board and, and say, here is a, a better way um, that will pay for itself in X amount of years, if you do the hard work in the beginning and establish that new sense of normal, a better sense of normal in the beginning, then it seems like it's, you know, it's an easier slide. I don't want to say easy, but an easier slide just to keep on going with it. And from what you just said, it sounds like that uh, you feel the same way. Do you have any any comment on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, God, just think about building ownership. You know, this is, it's, it's really important to look at you know, uh, how to, uh, how to, how to gain uh, a good financial foothold to be, be su- sustainable on, on the financial front. And that's, uh, owning the ability to easily access le- money and, and own real property. And so the, I, the idea is there, um, even as you're looking at moving into a site, how do you own the building versus lease it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, really important to look at the, the, these financial implications from the outset. Like the only way to really, not the only way, the primary way uh, individuals and businesses start to, to build wealth is to own your real estate. And um, I think that it's, it's important to, to, to look there as, uh, as a, your first key decision in, in the brewing business. How am I going to uh, build wealth as a company? Then the more wealth you build as a company, the more you can venture into the environmental and social spaces because you have the net income to invest in these things. Yeah, yeah. And you're not, make, you're not making a landlord rich. There's a lot of turnover right now in the real estate business with uh, – or not the real estate business, but, you know, tenants moving out because 
they weren't able, they made, I guess I was, the segue there was you're talking about, um, you know, long-term, short-term decision-making. Like the, if you take the long view, sustainability is the right thing to do, but, uh, you know, lease versus buy. So try and, try and think like a buyer, try and, try and start with, uh, that, that first decision of owning real property and not getting too many investors or partners involved so that it's truly economically viable and can support uh, a, a group of families in the long term, you know? And, and that, that kind of harkens back to a story that I've heard a long time ago um, that I absolutely love is the story of McDonald's. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're in the real estate business, not the burger flipping business, and um, it is kind of the, the, the punchline of that uh, story. But um, it, there's a there's a there's a certain wisdom into uh uh owning the land underneath the your business and um and and yeah i if, if you can if you can make it work then then that would be the goal yeah no, i mean everybody really there are ways to make these things work even in the most challenging places and then you have to ask yourself why am i doing it if i can't own the property yeah and and that, it's a really fascinating uh uh discussion to have with yourself like do i really need it that bad that i need to go make somebody else rich through yeah. real estate um so another question that kind of goes along with the uh, sustainability um because you know I, I know you're in portland and it's a very bike friendly town um and, and uh and riding bikes is sustainable but but you have uh with through your brewery you you seem to have uh bikes are kind of an icon of the brewery as well as beer sustainability what, what's the story behind the bikes yeah i mean i rode my bike in this morning 6 30 i had a crafts person we're putting a new draft system so i rode in this morning rode home last night like bikes you know for me is personal passion and i got my first mountain bike when i was 13 and uh, really rode bikes with my kids last night when I got home, rode to dinner. It's, it's just a personal passion. And, and lo and behold, you know, Portland's like kind of like Copenhagen where he just got this massive passion and interest in, in bikes and, uh, investment from the city in the infrastructure, which really helps to build a, a sustainable, um, you know, it, may, it helps to make, you know, bikes a real viable option for moving around our city. Uh, so it's a passion and oddly enough, when you start, I call it like all the bees, you know, bikes, beer, bands, um, and you got all these things that really make sense together. Uh, and so for me, Hopworks was really born in, in bikes and beer, you know, and you got 42 bike frames hanging over the bar, you know, we're, uh, sponsor bike team. We've been sponsoring bike events, um, for years around the city. And then, you know, for five years, we did our own Biketoberfest where we had a, a hand-built bike show and, um, and concert uh, series uh, here in our, in our parking lot. So we were just thrilled to be super deep into the, into the bike scene. And, you know, uh, things evolve and the event thing now is not really an option anymore. So we're trying to figure out <laughs> how to, how to, you know, gather people in a in a compliant and safe way. Yeah, you can't really do a bike event uh, through uh, uh, online or through Zoom or something like that. And you doesn't work. Have, doesn't, have some yeah, li- there's some liability issues there. <laughs> well, yeah, we looked at trying to fire a bike, you know, Biketoberfest back up this year, and then COVID hit. So um, we're really the bikes are just such an important, such an awesome, awesome invention. The way that you can uh, move around, it's a meaningful tool, but. If it doesn't, I mean, it puts a smile on my face every time I hop on my bike. And, um, and it, it's such, when you think about transportation, you think about health and wellness, uh, I think it's a, it's a really important thing to integrate into a sustainable company is how, how much time can we spend on healthy modes of transportation and park the cars more and, uh, and live a little higher quality life, you know? Awesome. I love it. Uh, you kind of make me want to go out and ride a bike, but I'm going to, I'm going to let the Arizona heat die down first. Maybe, maybe oh, yeah, you, you got to go after 10 PM, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's another story that I want to hear too. Um, but you've put out a, a couple different beers with, uh, the company Patagonia. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm very familiar with them and, and looking at, you know, kind of your mission through the, uh, through Hopworks. It's almost like you guys have the same mission where you want to try and uh, try and do something better with the environmental issues and environmental crisis, but they're going to do it with 
great jackets and board shorts, and you're going to do it with beer. How did that uh, collaboration come out? Come about? Yeah, they they phoned phoned me up out of the blue. Uh, I was getting ready to take a a trip up to to um, Banff and Jasper National Park, and uh, they they phoned me up on a Tuesday, and I think they came up on like the next day, like a Wednesday, and uh, to talk about this this cool new grain they had. This perennial, they're into perennials, they're into organics, into regenerative agriculture, and they had put together at that point a really cool uh, group of, of food products. So Yvonne Chenard and Birgit Cameron uh, started a food company within under the Patagonia Works umbrella, right? So mm-hmm. Apparel being a billion-dollar company with a clear su- sustainable mission. And then, you know, Yvonne's a, a foodie as well. And, and so they decided that, you know, the, the next frontier – for their company was to change the world through food and, you know, beer being, you know, liquid bread. And they had found a, a really cool wheatgrass called Kernza regenerative wheatgrass. And the regenerative quality of this uh, was intriguing to them and they wanted to find a way to, to get something to market. So this is something that West Jackson, you know, uh, uh, in the, the land Institute in Salina, Kansas had, been developing for I don't know 30 years or something like that these guys their magnum opus is creating like the fourth grain you got corn wheat soy and this cat's trying to add this perennial grain to the mix to to change uh, to provide a really sustainable cereal uh, grain source for breads and and all these these staples for civilization this is real like macro work and really really cool cutting and stuff so they came to us with this grain and we started doing some pilot work for them five batches later we've got a really cool pale ale you know their beers are kind of geared towards active lifestyles and stuff so a little lower abv pale ale and a wit beer is what we have right now we're working on a uh, another project most like in, in the ipa space right now with them but um they're really excited about making a beer so we use 15 percent of this wheatgrass so you know, 15% is a really meaningful impact on the, the grain bill of a beer. And if, if that was a metaphor for what you could do in the bread world, um, you know, you could really reduce the need for these annual crops like corn, wheat, soy, uh, and amend, start to amend staples around the world with this other wheatgrass. So we use beer. Beer is a gathering point. It's a great conversation starter and, you know, certainly responsible for potable water for less 9,000 years. So they started with beer and uh, the video we did, they said got 10 billion views. So it's clearly beer was the right choice to start to talk about sustainability and their desire to change now pivot a little and change the world through food is really cool. So certainly looking at their website, their Patagonia provisions is the the division of their company. You see what they're doing over there. It's really cool. And regenerative organic certifications. They're trying to crash a couple things together and it, it's really cool work and we're super honored to be you know a partner of uh, of theirs and it's it's worked really well and there's there's more to come so it's an honor to have like a a hero company like that contact us out of the blue just out of you know we're we're the hippie brewers and we're trying to do the right thing and to have a company like that just kind of you know validate a little of what we're doing is super super cool and and we're trying to um, learn a lot from them. We've learned a lot from each other and trying to kick it to the next level. So there's more to come. And and back in the day, I, I worked in the uh, outdoor industry and got to meet uh, Yvonne and work with Patagonia on, on some stuff. And, and I was, and, I mean, to this day, I'm still just so impressed about how they go about doing things. Not Not what they do, but how they do it is just so... <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. so inspiring and, uh, it, it just kind of keeps, keeps leading that edge. And, and when I saw that, uh, that they were partnering, partnering with you guys in the beer space, now that I'm in the beer space, I, I just thought what an incredible opportunity to, to keep that inspiration going and, and hopefully change the way that other people think about doing this. Um, and you talked about 15% of the, of the, uh, grain bill, is a meaningful impact, but I mean, you know, anyone who is not thinking about uh, grain bills or, or, you know, even like putting in five or 10% of a uh, black patent will change your recipe a uh, uh, big time. But, you know, it's, 
15% doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, metaphorically speaking, if we don't have to be perfect, we don't have to be, um, we don't have to solve the environmental issue right now. We don't have to give up our cars and start riding bikes, you know, 50 miles down the road to go to work. But mm-hmm. if we if we put in just a little bit of effort, 15% of our effort, um, a lot of things are going to start changing. And 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 I think the your malt bill is a very great metaphor for that. Yeah, amen to that. It sounds like well, I mean, you certainly. I, I love the idea of of being okay with incremental change and and celebrating that that journey and that process because all it takes is a, a, a larger group of people to make smaller uh, incremental you know steps to really make a, a tremendous tremendous impact on the planet and the people and the tie between the two should never you know never be uh, divorced it's like you know we went to the b corp conference in la last year it was you know what you do to the planet you do to the people what you do to the people you do to the planet mm-hmm. and that that's really those there's a neat bridge starting to form between social and environmental work and with um the the current social strife and situation uh in in the u.s it's it's really highlighting the need to to pivot a little bit and you know environmentalism is great and uh it's so much more important now than ever to start to look at social issues as well and using the gathering power of beer and the voice of beer to start to have uh meaningful discussions about how we can uh move forward in a, in a healthier way than than we have in the past so yeah uh a lot of good work to be done and it just starts with those open and honest discussions that really b corp forces but certainly you know they can those those discussions can be had naturally without a certification over a beer and we can begin the work you know well, and, and that is a, a incredible jumping off point for the next uh, thing I want to uh, bring up or get you to talk about is um, I, I, I tell my kids um, all the time that, you know, do the best you can and then next time try and do one better. And I think that is kind of goes uh, along with environmental practice or grades or work or beer or uh, uh, social practices. Um, you know, everything that's that we've all been thinking about for the past at least six months and or all of 2020, let's just say. Um, but if, for those breweries that are out there that, I mean, maybe they looked at the B Corp uh, requirements and thought, oh, the, someday, but not today. Um, maybe they looked at salmon safe requirements and thought someday, but not today. Um, so on that same vein of thought that we've just been talking about, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to do your best and then do one better next time. What are mm-hmm. some actionable things that breweries, beer professionals, consumers, what, what, what are some actionable thing, actionable things that we can do to get started? Yeah. I kind of think of like food and fuel, you know, um, as individuals, you know, a business is nothing but a gathering of individuals. Right. So, how, how do we move and, and how do we consume? You know, those are the real things. If you can, the big, um, it, and it's also kind of this whack-a-mole thing. You whack the carbon mole and miss the water mole, whack the power mole, miss the carbon mole. You know, it's like all, all this, there's, there's just different ways of, of looking at things. But I think that if we look at the, uh, as a human, if you look at your diet and, and, and your movement, how do you move around? How far do you move? Uh, what's your mode? Uh, why are you doing it? How much of it's uh, this this whole COVID thing has really highlighted how much of human activity is unnecessary, right? And with that, the if when you start to create these two camps of essential versus non-essential, and start to maybe uh, put an overlay over your business as well, you can really make a big impact with some simple decisions. So, as an individual, uh, carbon look at uh, transportation and your diet, you know, start to move uh, towards a uh, more meat-free diet. I'm not, I've, I've reduced my meat consumption over the last um, two years by about 75%, but I still eat it and enjoy it. And more white meat, less red and, and smaller portions of putting vegetables at the center instead of meat at the center. So that's a big thing you can do. And then just moving around the planet a little bit less and a little more meaningfully. And you transfer over to the business side, 
in the business of beer, we've done a lot of great work over the Brewers Association with this benchmarking tool. And a benchmark, you can't really, it's hard to make an impact unless you've made some very simple measurements of what you're currently doing. And the, the, this tool allows us to measure uh, utilities, uh, mainly water, electricity, um, and gas, and as well um, car, uh, CO2 usage, and really benchmark your brewery quickly against other breweries within your production range. You know, it doesn't make sense for a, a thousand barrel year brew pub to benchmark against Sierra Nevada. So it's kind of a light kind approach. So this, this benchmarking tool, I would highly encourage all your listeners who are in the, the brewery space to and, and even those enthusiasts who just want to see how what's important to um, uh, commercial brewers also impacts you know individuals and households. But go go measure your what you're doing currently. All your utility bills have the quick measurements on them, and it's easy to put that over your production and get an intensity um, measurement like cost per barrel for your utilities. And then you really see where you sit in your field of peers, and it'll, it'll quickly allow you to jump on some things. Like we quickly discovered with the tool that we needed to work really hard on CO2 and wastewater, and mm. we we're pretty good on water and energy. Mm, that's a that's a really good idea. Um, it's, uh, it's free, and uh, it's really valuable for the Brewers Association to get more data in that pool too. And uh, that's a that's the best thing you can do as a small brewery to start the journey to sustainability is to just measure what you're doing. And we all have bookkeepers and accountants. Uh, they're already putting those bills into QuickBooks and filing them. All they have to do is take those numbers and just drop them in the spreadsheet. And you'll within in a day you can load in uh, enough info to to guide your sustainable journey for the next 24 months. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and so uh, just just make sure I heard correctly, there is not a specific tool out there on like the BA website. This is just something that... that... No, there is. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. It's, oh. it's, a, it's called the, the BA Benchmarking Tool. Hmm. And if you go to uh, the Brewers Association website, and uh, actually in front of my computer, I will just make sure uh, that I can give a good URL or just make that available to... Well, and I'll, I'll put yeah. that. I'll look that up and put that in the show notes for anyone who wants to kind of mine into that a little bit more. But um, that is fantastic. Yeah, that's a great place to start because what you'll see is that it, it basically breaks it down in, into a couple key areas, and the key is to do something, and it'll tell you exactly what you should do tomorrow to to start your journey. Oh, perfect. Um, now um, to kind of wind things down a little bit. Um, uh, and, and I'm sorry, I think I told you we were just going to do a short version of this, but all the conversation um, <laughs> was really compelling, and I wanted to keep on going with it. So thank you for your time sure. and, and being of here today. Um, but uh, just for some wind down questions um, uh, that I, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just go into these. Um, uh, if you could be the beer king of, or I'm sorry, the king of the beer world for an entire day, what would you change? <laughs> Oh, I was chuckling when you you said, "What was the second part of the question?" Uh, what would you change if if you got to be the the beer king? Wow, wow! I mean, yeah, get rid of seltzer. No. Uh. <laughs> that's, oh, that's probably the best answer I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, tastes great, less uh, filling, it, right? It, yeah, no, I I I think you know you got to meet people where they're at. There's plenty of great brewers out there getting involved with that. And I think the seltzer is kind of just a metaphor for the better for you. And the health and wellness thing is all part of sustainability. And just meet people where they're at is an important part of being a good, a good business as well. So um, sure to get rid of seltzer, um, what would I do? Uh, I, you know, just being as deep into sustainability as I am, I just, I really, I'm a big efficiency freak. And I think that, um, you know, I, I spent a ton of time in the outdoors in the last week. You know, I've taken my kids backpacking the weekend before and, and, and rode with some college buddies on the Deschutes River the following weekend. And uh, I see the impact of human behavior on the planet, right, like daily. Uh, the Just the fact that the fish weren't running on the Deschutes the way they should be. Hmm. Um, and 
when I'm out in the Wallowa Mountains in Northeast Oregon, and I don't see much wildlife, you know, uh, I'm like, okay. And I see a, when I, when I, when you're driving out in the gorge, you see a ton of fences up. There's no green highways for, for natural animals to move around easily and, 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 uh, and uh, be part of the ecosystem and proliferate. You know, I would just, just implore the, the, the individuals and in the, in the brewing community to, to begin the journey and, and, and do what they can to, to really um, kind of get out of nature's way and, uh, and reduce your impact as a, as a business as much as possible. So it, uh, I, I really feel like there's a, a, a really neat um, symbiosis and a responsibility between business and the natural environment to, um, to be a, a, a steward and, and cultivate great habitat for, uh, for living things and have a lot of respect for them. And, uh, without being preachy, I just really, I really feel like it just spending time at time outdoors and seeing that you, you can make an impact as a business, a very meaningful impact locally by being in the journey and starting to do the right thing. So me as the king of the world, the beer world for the day would be, uh, yeah, I, I would ask that all the breweries in the kingdom, uh, join, <laughs> join the sustainable journey that's, that's underway and look at what some of the great work that some of these other breweries have done, Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, you know, uh, even, you know, a lot of these smaller guys with uh, just really innovative approaches to sustainability, whether it's, uh, you know, solar thermal, solar, you know, solar photovoltaic, uh, efficiency, some neat uh, <clears throat> on-site farming going on, you know, just got an email last night that somebody's up in the gorge and, had, you know, planted a, an orchard, uh, just get started and uh together we can we can make a big uh, impact uh, or less of an impact make a make a big impact by being less impactful <laughs> that, that's a, a tricky way of uh of yeah i know yeah i i i really enjoy it and enjoy the process too the life's a journey and the sustainability is a journey and just celebrate every little victory and just know that know in your heart that it's working, but also don't be afraid to, um, uh, to, to show an ROI for every sustainable decision you make. Uh, you know, that's great. Now, if you had the opportunity to choose your very last meal and your very last beer before you depart this earth, what would they be? Oh my God. God. Uh, I, I'm, I love, you know, my last name's Ettinger. So, you know, of course just love German food. And that is, but just thinking like uh, Hellas and Curryverst, something like that. But uh, I'd say um, you know some sort of uh, just a schnitzel, some rouladen, uh, a little bit of rote sauerkraut, and some uh, some fried uh, you know some kartoffel of some sort, some potato fried potatoes. Uh, I think that to me with a um, a nice German pills. I, I still love bitterness. I mean, people make fun of me all the time because I'm like, with our IPA, I'm like, we got to amp it up by five more IBUs. This thing, you know, the 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 um, it's funny watching uh, beers migrate to a lower IBU place just across the board, and I, I like a nice crisp 45 IBU pilsner mm. uh, from the German uh, field, and and then also you know a nice schnitzel I think would be good for me. Awesome. Um, we've talked a lot of, uh, about a lot of great things and great things beer, but, um, uh, from your perspective, why does good beer matter? Mm. Well, I mean, quality is important across the board because you see this disposable society where, uh, big, that everybody's immersed in and, you know, the landfill situation, plastics in the ocean and, and general, you know, throwaway culture, that, that's a, a big problem. So I really think that. Uh, you know, looking at the the, the um, disposability and looking at quality of beer as as a metaphor, uh, do less, do better. Like what you said about your kids, you know, trying to up your game every step. You know, do good today and do a little better tomorrow. Uh, I think the world could probably stand to, you know, drink a little less and drink better. And by drinking better, what does better mean? Well, higher quality can really identify, you know, maybe better sourcing, 
more efficient, less wasteful, um, more flavorful. I, I like the idea of doing less and doing better. And even in your transportation, you know, it's like you kind of go back to that. We could all probably eat a little less and move that to a more sustainable place, more plant-based and closer to home. You know, we could mm. uh, move a little less to, to get our beer and food and even in our own personal uh, transportation, you know, travel a little less and travel a little closer to home. What a neat, I mean, the silver lining of COVID is exploring this awesome state of Oregon and everybody's exploring their local areas, as you can tell by your inability to find a campsite this weekend for Labor Day, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's something really neat about quality, doing less and doing it better and really, really savoring the journey, you know? Oh, that's great. Um, and for anyone who, anyone listening that wants to find out more about what you're doing, um, how can they connect with you? What's the best way to uh, kind of look up Hub and everything else? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, come to our website, um, uh, hopworksbeer.com. Check out what we're doing. And uh, I'm actually just highlighting our website right now, just hopworksbeer.com. And then, you know, there's the, I really, uh, I think that what we're doing is is kind of maybe just assimilating a lot of great work that others are doing. So uh, certainly on a building, I would definitely go to the Brewers Association, uh, toggle over to the resource hub, and the resource hub has all our sustainability tools from green building to uh, water and energy and, and wastewater and things like that. Uh, we have manuals we built there. So look at what we're doing at hub you know as, as a kind of humble example of how you can use the power of certifications we didn't really even talk about some other certifications we got we're kind of certifiable you know we do the, the b corp thing but we're also a member one percent for the planet uh i'm also proud to say that our our brewery is the first salmon safe brewery in the world where we actually uh look at the salmon safe uh the water the movement of water through our our site via stormwater. uh so you, there's the look at what um, Brewers Association has to offer in terms of tools. Go to B Corp. Go to One Percent for the Planet. Go to Salmon Safe, and uh, kind of start and go to USDA Organic uh, or Oregon Tilth. You know, and start to just see what these other great groups are doing and see if there's just some some real neat ways to to take advantage of the hard work that they've done already. And you know, you don't have to go get certified. That's a heavy lift. Just take a look at what they're doing. Get inspired and uh, see if there's some some cool things that you can get behind in your own operation. Awesome. Uh, do you have any final words of wisdom for us before we uh, uh, take off? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say enjoy the journey. Uh, together, you know, we can really uh, begin to uh, shift the culture uh, of the uh, uh, towards a more sustainable place. You know, the, the link between social and environmental sustainability has never been more poignant uh, and more important to embark on the journey. Uh, look at environmental sustainability and, and also have those discussions about social sustainability and equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, we, uh, we really think that there's a, there's a really nice intersection of all these things. Uh, and you can also, uh, it's okay to be profitable while uh, having honest discussions about environmental and social sustainability, your role in each one of those, and also picking, say, three projects in, in each arena to embark on, you know, tomorrow to uh, to start to, you know, change the world with beer. Beer's been around in its form, its current form, in some way for 9,000 years, right? And um, let's, let's make the next nine years, <laughs> say, uh, transformational in terms of how we use beer as a force for good. That's awesome. Hey, uh, Christian, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and talking to us about uh, the work you're doing and the work other people are doing, and 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 more importantly, how those of us listening how can uh, how we can do our best, and then tomorrow just do one better. Yeah, great. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you inviting me, and um, it's an honor. And uh, look forward to having a beer with you at some point. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Cheers. Doing good for others is really great. Taking care of our planet is also really great. But doing these things alongside good people while drinking great beer is perfect. Thanks to Christian and his team at Hopworks Urban Brewery for doing their part in making our beer-filled world a little better. 
Join us in the next episode of our Beer with Benefits series, where we discuss the serious nature of men's health and enjoying rare pints. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together. But it's also about better appreciation of the beer you enjoy. I believe better education leads to better enjoyment. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, then please subscribe to Good Beer Matters and visit me at goodbeermatters.net. After that, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers. If you know of a good cause supported by beer that you'd like to see highlighted on the Good Beer Matters podcast, send me a message on Instagram or an email to jeremy at goodbeermatters.net. Thank you.